Hey there, you are listening to How to Live the Podcast, where we have real, meaningful, and fun conversations with people who inspire us. And sometimes we just have them with each other. We are your hosts, Jess and Steph Dadon. So excited to be in your ears right now. It's a great place to be. It sure is. We like it in here. Mm. So I'm coming off the back of a big weekend and I feel like you and I haven't even discussed. I know. I'm so excited to hear all about it. So I was doing this at-home retreat with a yoga teacher based in Melbourne. Her name's Kat Harvey Barakat. And I thought I was doing a yoga retreat. It was about 10 hours and so I was just expecting a lot of yoga a lot of chill time and that was kind of it. But whoa, was I wrong? It was a full-on intensive self-work retreat. Not that much yoga at all, but really a lot of meditation and a lot of breath work and a lot of journaling and it was really, really cool. Ooh, this sounds amazing. Does she run them often? She doesn't run them often. I think that she's done one before, but she's planning on doing more and she loves soul work. So we did a lot of getting in touch with our soul and it was deeply, deeply spiritual, which I did not expect at all, but it was so cool and transformational and left me just feeling super connected and also highlighted how disconnected I had felt for the last few weeks as well. So that was cool. Oh my God, that sounds like heaven. I love all these opportunities we've had from this year, being in our houses, not really having anything to do and, you know, suddenly, whoa, you're in your house, but you're on this amazing transformational retreat. Whoever thought that could happen from your own home? It's so cool. I know. Yeah, it was crazy. It was so good. How was your weekend? My weekend was good. I usually just go from beach to beach doing whatever we feel like at the time. I really feel bad telling people from Melbourne that and I haven't really been posting on Instagram very much because not only are they on lockdown, also it's really cold in Melbourne always. But let's just say Panther, my dog, is in heaven. Mm, Sounds really nice. It is a lot of fun. So really, really excited to get into today's episode, which I think you coined as one of your favorite episodes of all time, your favorite episode of all time. Definitely my favorite human of all time. Agreed. So Latham Thomas, this very special human, is Uh, So many things, where to even begin? She is a celebrity wellness and lifestyle maven and birth doula. If you don't know what that is yet, we are going to chat all about it. But basically, as Latham describes, it's kind of like a producer for birth. She is a founder of maternal wellness company, Mama Glow, where they have trained thousands of doulas. Latham's also the author of two books, Mama Glow and more recently Own Your Glow and she has served as a doula and lifestyle guru for celebs including Alicia Keys and Venus and Serena Williams and plenty more. I was hooked on Serena Williams. Oh 100% and also her energy is just really really special and I think even though she does say super super valuable things just having her voice in my ears for 35 minutes or however long is beneficial. Mm. So I think people are just going to love this episode. Going to love it. We get so excited in this episode that we dive straight in. So like three minutes in, you are already going to just be like, 
punched in the face with all of the best info you have ever heard. You are going to enjoy that punch. We continue talking about the alternative to the hustle, which is really awesome because it's something we're super interested in at the moment. We chat about why we don't have to network. We know we're all a little tired right now of ISO, but Latham gives us some beautiful reminders of the opportunity that we have right now. We also get into a bit of a saucy conversation about vaginas and sexuality and how you can explore yours further. So if all this didn't get you excited for this episode, I don't know what will. Stick around till the end of the episode to find out what we're going to be chatting about next week. And please, please enjoy Latham Thomas. We're doing good. It's Tuesday morning over here in Australia. It's Monday evening here. Amazing. <laughs> yeah, I was about to be like, good morning. And then I was like, oh, no, that's not right, is it? <laughs> no. And you're in New York. Is that right? That's right. I'm in New York. How's everything going over there? You know, life goes on for those who are living, you know, so it's about doing the work that we've always been committed to do especially in the face of the challenges that we see and the face of terror and peril and sadness. We have to pursue joy as a radical act of self-care. So that's always where I'm at, whatever's going on in the world. So I've been doing things that bring me joy. And we planted a bunch of plants and repotted and been gardening and doing things that just bring joy. I saw something the other day. It was called like the secret life of succulents. And it was a freaking class. I was like, I'm taking this class. Yes. <laughs> Never take any of these types of classes in life, right? Because we're always out. And so now like being in the house and being able to think about like how you want to structure your day. And for me, I think about it like as we head back outside, like how are we like designing our lives, right? Because the way it was before was definitely dysfunctional, like just globally, you know, just moving at an accelerated pace and too fast and working too long and hustling too hard. And now it's like everyone is being asked to stay home, to rest. So you're like, that's not really bad. You know, it's like awesome to be told to just rest and be at home. And then also just the time that you have like to be in your practice or to be alone, right, has been really amazing. I think that it also invites you to think about like, well, what is it that I want to do with my life, right? Like, what is it that I haven't done yet that I still would like to do? And now you have an opportunity to focus on that, to think about it more, but even to pursue it. And so that's what I think has also been such a gift right now. So many people are actually finally able to step into like their life's purpose or even just like explore where they might want to head next because this time offered that opportunity, even with all of the unemployment, I think that it sort of ushers in a kind of ingenuity that people might not have had if they just, if everything was just flowing easily. And not to say it's not challenging, of course it is, to not have work or to not have security for home or food or job. Everybody wants that and needs that. But at the same time, I think there's something to be said for just having space and being able to think about something different, like that thing that was on the back burner that you're finally able to pursue. It's like awesome. I'm finding so many people have shared with me new plans, new businesses, new goals, books, screenplays, like different things that they're working on that they never would have had a chance to if it weren't for this, this time that we're in. And so I think there's obviously so many ways to look at it and how you 
frame, you know, what this experience has been and how we recall it in the future when we look back. Yeah. And it's no doubt a very challenging time, but I think that none of us can argue that there's always beauty on the other side of challenge. So maybe it's important to have these harder times because we know that we're headed towards something better. I think it's so interesting that you were talking about this idea has brought about this slowness kind of naturally. And Mm -hmm. we had a read through your book of Own Your Glow, just incredible. And I think it's so amazing that in it, you kind of talk about there's this old way of being is this hustle and you really talk about slowing down before any of this happened. And it's so interesting for us because we've been talking about on this podcast really recently, we're so tired of the hustle. You know, we're so over it. We've been doing it for so long. And now that we're focusing in on ourselves a little bit more, we realize it's just not the way we want to do things. So how did you let go of the hustle in your own life? How are you doing things differently now? I've always had this feeling, like I always felt constriction if I was forced to move quickly. I'm a Taurus, so I drag my feet to everything. You know what I mean? We're earth. We're just like, you're not telling me what to do. Like it's my way. I do it in my time. You know, stubborn is one of my qualities, I would say. <laughs> but I always, as a child, my mom was like, oh, she's so slow. Cause I just would take my time with everything. And like, if I became obsessed with something like, oh my God, the butterflies have hatched, you know what I mean? I have to go look or look, there's earthworms. Like I would stop whatever it was that I was wondered with. And I would just be really slow. And then it's really funny because as an athlete, I was fast. Like I did track and field and I was like a state competitor and sprinting. I did field hockey, I did soccer, and I was like a forward, right? So I was fast in that way. But in life, everything for me was about taking my time, moving slowly. And I think that I learned that early on because I studied with a master herbalist. And as I studied with her, I would be in nature and she would have me like amongst plants. And that's actually when I first learned to meditate. Because I would sit with the plants and she said, well, you can tell me which ones are actually ready to be picked, right? Which are ready for harvest. And I said, well, how am I going to do that? She's like, oh, you're just going to listen. I was like, okay, cool. And I would just go listen. And I'd be like, it's this one. It's this one. This one's ready. And so I learned that there is this creation vibration that is part of the ambient landscape that's always around us. And that there's this living energy universe that is always tapped in, always animated, always in flow. And so when we slow down, we can actually connect with that energy, right? So for me, it's always about like finding a way back to that because it's very easy to get caught up and to get really like focused on output, performance, the product instead of the process, right? And so I've become really process-oriented over the years. And that's also been a big piece of the work that I do is really about process. And I believe that when we allow time for process, that things can unfold in a really beautiful way. And so it's just a constant dance, right? Like it's something that I also have to remind myself, oh yeah, like why are you moving this fast? Like you don't have to, right? It's really interesting to hear you talk about process versus product because it's definitely something that we ourselves have discovered, you know, being in this female entrepreneur space. It was always about reading books and learning things and bettering yourself, but more in this hustle, get shit done kind of way. 
Totally. Yeah. Like we all have a notebook that says get shit done or like hanging somewhere in our house. It's like, why are we so afraid of slowing down? Why did nobody tell us earlier that that was actually the secret that we were missing? Totally. I think that there's a disconnect that we feel that we're kind of trying to pair up between this idea of goal setting and moving towards your goals and having that Northern star and what you're talking about bringing in the process. So where do those two things intersect? That's a beautiful question. I love that because that is exactly what is missing in our culture in terms of appreciation for process. So how I believe it works is that we create a vacuum. And so we draw energy towards us through the practice of showing up every day to do that thing that you do, whatever that is. And you show up and you're intently doing that thing. And as you do that, and as you focus your energy, there's fruit that's born from that, right? So every day that I show up, I plant seed and then I water and sun comes down and, you know, fresh air and nitrogen and all different types of powerful nutrients will fortify that soil. And underneath is an entire root system that's organic and that's spreading and growing before I even see a leaf, but all of it's underway because I've just focused my energy. I'm showing up every day because I believe there's something growing, right? And what happens is as we focus our energy there, the things that we've been writing, the goals, right? The dreams, the visions, the things that we want to pursue, really they pursue us. And so I think that how we've thought of it is that it's out there and we have to go get the thing. And I see it as like, it's actually coming to you. So when I'm still and I'm focused, I can create a magnetic vibration that draws to me the things that I desire, that draws to me the people that I should hang out with or meet or connect with, that draws to me the opportunities. I don't have to go and hustle. I don't have to go and network. I don't have to go and pitch or whatever, right? No, you just envision what it is. Like you said, prepare the space, do all of the practices, like the writing, the reflecting, the journaling, the speaking and praying, the listening, the meditating, vision boarding, all of that. Do all of that. That's all really powerful because it creates potency around what it is that you want to bring into the world. And then it's focusing your energy in one place and unitasking versus multitasking your way through your goals, unitasking. And guess what? Then everything comes. And I see this in my life. And I see this because if I don't go anywhere except for focus here, it's not passing me by. It comes right to where I am. And I'm like, oh my God, I asked for that. Wow. Hi. Okay, cool. Right. (laughs) Versus me like (laughs) rushing hustling. No, that is not necessary. And I think that that's what we've been told is our only pathway to having is to force our way to try to manipulate destiny and push our way in. And it's not necessary. And yes, there are barriers, right? To everything. Yes, there are systemic barriers. There are also barriers that we put in place ourselves. And so we have to be mindful that sometimes when things are coming or come and they slip through our fingers, somehow it's gone now. We have to also examine like, how am I part of this equation? Like how have I not been able to hold? How do I expand my capacity to receive what I'm asking for? Because a lot of times we're asking for shit 
that we didn't necessarily want, but we were told this is what we're supposed to want. This is the pathway to success. This is how it should look. This is what you should have. This is what you should desire. And so then you're focused on that in addition to what you've laid out for yourself. And so now you think you have to go after that thing. And so what I'm inviting us all to do is to believe that that which you're like looking towards, like you see it as a distant future or whatever, you're looking towards that as a goal, is already done. It's just you have to focus your energy, show up every day, one foot in front of the other to that space and to the service of what that goal is. And in that comes everything. And this is how recognition comes. People see you, hey, can you come speak at this? All of that comes because you're focused. If you're like all over the place and chasing things, then the things that are showing up for you don't even know where to find you (laughs) because you're like everywhere. So here is where you belong. And as you're here, everything comes. And it is like a vacuum because it is an energy that is different from manifesting, which is like making it happen. It is an energy that's about letting it happen, allowing it to come and show up. And then me being in a space where I can open my palms to receive it and also keep it. You just hit it all. (laughs) Everything you just said. I love that you said the things we want to pursue, they pursue us. I think that's so powerful. And when you're talking about that, you know, analogy of like planting the seeds and the farmer just allows them to grow, what we forget is that we also come from nature. You know, we're like, oh no, we're the humans, they're the nature. Like, um, do we manufacture human beings? No, we don't know how it happens. Like nature just does its thing. So like, why can't we let it do its thing in our lives? Mm-hmm. So we did skip over a part of your story and how you came to grow this incredible business. So we'd love to take you back a little bit and ask you, what does it mean to be a doula for people that don't know and how you came to be a doula yourself? Yeah, thank you for that. It's been so great just chatting. Totally. <laughs> so a doula is a non-clinical care provider who offers emotional support, physical support, education, advocacy, physical supports to help navigate pregnancy, labor, and postpartum. One of my clients calls it, it's like having a producer for your birth. So if you think about like any experience that you have where there's someone who's considering all the details, right? Making sure that it smells nice in the room. So there's diffuser going. There's those kind of like fun flameless candles. There is someone who's giving you sips of water, maybe feeding you a popsicle, someone who's maybe braiding your hair, someone who's putting ice chips, you know, like little things that making sure you have chapstick so your lips aren't dry, like little things like that, but also making sure that you can help to move through the experience, the intensity of the sensations that come up for you in the process. And also how to advocate for yourself in the event that you have to be presented with any procedures, right? And what does it mean to have informed consent? So these are the sort of educational things that doulas can also provide. And in the States, it's something that in some areas it's covered by insurance and others it's out of pocket as an expense. But it's certainly something that everyone should have access to. And we train doulas from around the world. We have people from every continent waiting on Antarctica. That'd be great. But we have (laughs) (laughs) six continents represented, all states. And I think one thing, too, that's important for people to know is that no matter what your financial bracket, no matter what you can afford, there's a doula for you. So it sounds like a doula is just like 
the most knowledgeable and most giving best friend, which is an incredible service to be offering. So how did you come to finding out about doulas and starting to be one yourself? Yeah. So my son, who's going to be 17, when he was born, I delivered him in a birth center in New York City. I did not have a doula, but I had midwives. And I had the support of my best friend, my son's father, like a few midwives were there. It was a beautiful day. He was born on a full moon and a double rainbow. And it was gorgeous. And I walked home six hours after I had him. And it was one of those moments where you're like, where are the grownups? You're like letting me leave with this baby, you know? And at the same time, I felt like really equipped. I felt like I knew what to do, even though it was like the first time I had really spent a lot of time with a baby, aside from like having, you know, my sister as a sibling. And what was interesting for me was that I had this incredible experience in the birth where my ancestors showed up. I had an experience that was sort of like out of body. And it was so powerful and transformative that I knew that I wanted other people to have an experience that was similar or whatever it was for them. I wanted people to feel like they were empowered and that they were seen in their humanity in the process. And a lot of people told me like, oh, be painful and you should get the epidural and all these things. And I just had this incredible experience. I was like, nobody said it would be this. Nobody said I would watch the birth outside of my body. Like nobody told me it would be this kind of transformative event. And so I sought to get more educated on the process itself and sort of understand what my experience even was, you know, in terms of the neurochemicals and the hormones involved and and how that would even be possible to have what felt like more of a meditation than anything else. And so I actually was at an ashram and it was my birthday and they had this puja ceremony And this Vedic astrologer said to me, I want to do a reading for you for your birthday. I was like, cool. So he did this reading. And in the reading, he gave me a bunch of numbers. And the one thing that he said that I can remember very clearly, you're supposed to mother the mother. And I was like, okay. I said, well, I kind of feel like I'm doing that. He's like, no, it's even bigger than what you're already doing. And I was like, okay. And so... I was already teaching prenatal yoga and doing nutrition stuff with clients. And I still had regular clients that were not pregnant that I was working with. And he's like, no, you're supposed to go in, right? So I was like, and so I thought about the doula thing, but not in that moment. So fast forward, I'm home and I'm back into my routine in New York. And this is back when you did not check email. I was still getting letters. People were still sending letters by hand. And so you check your email maybe like once every two weeks or something. It was like, oh yeah, like let me do that, right? Sounds like a great time. I know, right? Like back (laughs) then, we're talking not even two full decades ago that this was all happening. But like, yeah, I mean, in that short time frame, we have totally transformed to be so dependent on technology. But anyway, so I checked my email and there was a email from this do a fellowship program. And I looked at the date and it corresponded with one of the dates that he gave me. And I was like, okay, noted. So I was like, okay, God, understood. I'll do it. So for me, I feel like once I answered it, it was like, it was so clear that I was supposed to be doing it all along. And it's like the honor of my life. And I think one of the things that's also so powerful is that I've been able to be you know, a doula for life. I've been able to be a doula for my grandmother as she was 
transitioning into the afterlife and her passing. And I brought the same tools that I bring into birth into sort of the ritual for her as she was passing on. And I feel like it's just so powerful for us to be able to have these tools and know that it's really important to honor both sides of this continuum of life and death. And so I just feel so honored to be a part of that, but also not only to be part of a lineage like this, but also to be able to teach everything that I know to another generation of people who will go out and practice in the world. And we have hundreds and hundreds of doulas now that, you know, we'll have like by this year, we'll have over a thousand that will have been trained in the past two years that will be out in the world, you know, spreading this ministry and seeking to improve birth for everyone everywhere. The way that you spoke about childbirth there, I've never had anyone make me want to give (laughs) birth, but the way that you speak about it being this incredible spiritual experience, I'm like, oh, I could get around that. I can see how passionate you are about that. And and it's literally infectious, which I think to have around childbirth, which is so often seen as a scary thing, I can see how valuable that would be. And I think that in terms of female health and the stigma around it, people don't even like to say the word vagina, you know? And Mm -hmm. so I think that there's an extra layer there of what you do that makes it really incredible. So I wanted to ask you about that kind of stigma around female health and how we can kind of have these conversations and bring it to the table a bit more as opposed to us saying vagina at dinner and someone saying, oh, that was a bit rude. And it's like, no, it wasn't. It's just a part of my body, like an arm. You know, I think that's interesting because in our training, a big focus is on reclaiming our sacred anatomy. And so what we've been taught about our bodies is really interesting because many of our reproductive parts are actually named by men who don't even have the anatomy. And so to know that when we're out in the streets and we're like protesting and fighting for our rights, and then there's men having these panels talking about legislation against our bodies, right, is really interesting. But when I talk to people, they don't really know their parts. And so when we're teaching doulas, it's really so important to learn the anatomy so you can know what's happening with your own body, but also I want people to learn their bodies like an instrument, right? When we think about playing instruments and music and how it's so important to know how to play an instrument alone before you play with others. And so when it's like your own practice of learning pleasure, your own practice of intimacy and self-care and and touch, um, which transmits intention and love, right? And being in touch with your body, I think is so important. And, And so I think you know, we have to destigmatize so many things. So vagina, for instance, as a word in Latin means sheath to a sword, right? So like a container for a sword. Uh, and so if we think about what that means, like a case for a weapon. It's a home for something that's not about us. Right. So it doesn't sound as empowering. And then also that the focus of the vagina, which is the seat of pleasure for cis heterosexual men, I guess, right? Like that's their focal point of pleasure. But we don't have a lot of nerve endings in the vagina, which I call the sacred passageway. We don't have a lot of nerve endings there, thank God, because if babies were coming down and there were tons of nerve endings, it would be very challenging to give birth, right? But we have a bundle of nerve endings in the erectile tissue that's inside of 
a clitoral crown, which is like 8,000 nerve endings, tons of sensation. And then what people don't realize too is that the clitoris is not just like this little bulb that you see with the clitoral hood that covers it, but underneath it's like a wishbone. And so you have the shaft that comes behind the bulb and you have these legs that come off of that. And then beneath them, you have what are called these vestibular bulbs and those bulbs create lubrication and all of this tissue actually engorges when we're aroused. And pound for pound, women have the same amount of erectile tissue that men have, but ours is internal. And so what that means is that we have all of our pleasure center really located on the vulva and around and in the external region of our body versus internally. So with so much the focus being on the internal aspect, which is the pleasure center for men, traditionally speaking, versus the external region of the body, which is where the erectile tissue is that is juicy and engorged and deeply pleasurable, you know, we need to come in relationship with that part of our bodies, right? And so that means that we learn how to play our own instruments. We learn what touch feels good, what sensations feel good, what doesn't, what arousal really means, what our secretions are like. Like we examine our bodies, right? And so I think that has to be part of the education that we do. And for people to understand that regardless of what they do, whether it's with a partner or not, that their bodies are beautiful and they're sacred and that they're their own. And I think there's a lot of healing to be done around our bodies because everything that we learn in our society turns us away from our bodies, right? Every message that we get is that your body is not like a safe place and that it's not beautiful enough or it's not this or it's not that. It's hard for many people to find solace in their bodies. So I think that's where we have to start too is to understand that even if you feel comfortable and you're in a conversation with someone it's not even that they might not be able to say the word vagina or whatever it is, but they might not even be able to touch parts of their body. They might not be able to feel comfortable in a relationship with their bodies, right? And so I think that's another layer. Yeah, that's such an important message and something that I've only really been exploring recently and only really realized the idea of my sexual experience existing for someone else is so deeply ingrained in me that I never even thought to question it. And once I was reading about that, I brought it up with my friends and we were all just kind of like, honestly, I never even thought about it. It was just, you kind of just did it for whoever your partner was with. And obviously, you know, sometimes you have a good time, sometimes you don't, but I think so deeply many layers down that idea of it being for someone else exists in so many of us. Thank you for sharing that too. And do you have any tips if people are listening and kind of being like, oh yeah, I don't really know myself. Some of the things that you were saying were like making me uncomfortable and I was just observing that in myself that like, wow, we never have these open conversations. How can people continue to explore that about themselves? That's a great question. And thank you for sharing that, right? It's so important to do this self-inquiry to see what's coming up for us. So Well, a few things. One, I would say doula training is amazing because it's the inquiry and it's intense and you have support around you of other people who are doing that work. And so if people are really interested in doing that in a deeper way, 
and exploring what it could be to heal, but also to prepare yourself to hold people in these transformative ways. That's an option to join us for a training. Lots of people come that aren't even necessarily going to be doulas, but want to be able to usher in a new version of themselves and be in their power in a different way. So that's an option if you feel called. But I would say in the book, there's a really great section around connecting with your body. And it goes through all of our parts, especially the erectile network, and looks at the external parts of our body and the pleasure center. And I think it's a really great place to read and just understand the marvel of who we are and how we're made. I think that a great place to start also can be without, by the way, really touching anything. You know, when you get out the shower and getting like a really nice oil that you might like and, you know, warming it up and then applying it to your skin and just touching and feeling what it feels like to touch your arms. What does it feel like to touch your legs and rub your hips? What does it feel like to touch your breasts, right? And just like love up on your body. Look at your body in the mirror while you do this lathering up, loving on yourself. And then I think that same day, if it feels comfortable, after like oiling myself up, I would sit in front of a mirror. And you can sit to where you can place the mirror in between your legs. You can just look and see what's between your thighs. And I think just look. Don't feel like you have to do anything, touch anything, whatever. I think people get you know, nervous, especially when they haven't ever seen themselves. And I think because you know, men are raised to be able to see variety in parts because of how they go to the bathroom. They see parts, right? And so they're not necessarily uncomfortable. But we don't see the variety in vulvas because we don't see people's vulvas, right? We don't see them on TV. We don't see them just in life, really. And we don't even see our own because of how we're made, right? They're like kind of beneath us. So you have to kind of bend down, you know, to look. And so the mirror is really awesome because you can see everything. And so I would encourage just to look and see what you're made of. And people who are artistic, I think you should draw, you know, if it feels comfortable for you. I think just even the simple thing of just acknowledging that this is part of your body that you don't really see like this. I know what my hands look like. I should be able to close my eyes and also know what my vulva looks like. And I think especially in a culture where we're just always told that something's wrong and we're uncomfortable with with showing the beauty of our bodies sometimes, I think it's a really great exercise to come to know yourself in a different way. And also when we do this, it also helps us in health ways. You know, like a lot of people, when they start to examine their body and look in the mirror, it's like, oh, what's this, right? Like this lump or this weird, right? But only if you get into a relationship with your body where you feel safe to touch it and to know that touch is valid and holy, especially if it's your own touch. Mm. And to know that you don't have to wait for someone else to show up to offer pleasure or to explore your body as a site of pleasure. Yeah, incredible. We recently discovered this idea of Abhyanga, Ayurvedic self-massage, and Jess went out and bought us both sesame oil. And I did a self-massage and I was like, is this what my hips feel like? You know, like we just never actually get in touch with our bodies. Just like, oh, what are the back of my arms feel like? I don't really know. So having that experience, it was even a little bit confronting for me the first time. Yeah, I felt a little bit scared going into that experience. Mm. Being like, I don't know what my body feels like. Am I ready to know what my body feels like? Yeah, but such an important first step in getting to know ourselves really. 
So yeah, thank you and for that. And massaging the shame away, I think, that so many of us feel towards our bodies mm. as well, just living in the society that we do. Mm. So many incredible takeaways. And I think we could talk to you forever, <laughs> but we will let you get on with your evening. We do wrap up all of these interviews with a few quick fire questions. So we'll just ask you some quick ones. Yeah. The first one is you're an avid cook. So what's your favorite dish to make at home? I'm going to have to do it by season. It's summer. So watermelon, cucumber, avocado salad. And then I'll say like winter would be like farro, kale, mushroom, grain dish. Yeah. Mm. Delicious. Yum. Sounds like Ottolenghi vibes. If you could come back in your next life as an animal, what would it be? Oh my gosh. I wish that I found out the name of this animal that I saw today. It was so beautiful, but it's some sort of Asian cat and it has these really big ears and the ears are like dancerly. I was like, that is what I would be. And I just said that to my friend earlier on DM when I just discovered that this is an animal that exists. But since I don't know its name, I would say I feel feline in some ways, but also I feel like gazelle in other ways. So I feel like part cheetah, part gazelle, like in my vibes, mm. you know? I always have elephants around because I love elephants, but I don't feel like I'm an elephant. I just feel like I'm blessed by them or something. But I feel like very languine and dancerly. If I'm an animal, I feel like I'm an animal that shows off through how it moves. <laughs> I love that. I really see that for you as well. Yeah, like a cheetah kind of crawling. I see it. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> you have so many incredible rituals in your book using things like crystals and smudge sticks. But we wanted to ask you what is, if you had to pick a favorite ritual? One of my favorites is meditation. It's just like the easiest thing to dial up into a place of calm. And what I've been really into has been sound meditation. Oh, nice. very cool. What do you do to unwind? Maybe the same answer. <laughs> yeah. You know, what I've been doing has been just like gardening. I just had repotted some kale earlier. I just love that. And just making tonics, you know, pulling the herbs, making teas, like just anything that reminds me of when I was growing up or just being in the countryside, even though I'm in the city. <laughs> Amazing. And if people loved this whole thing, like we know they did, where can they find you if they want more? I'm at Glowmaven on Instagram. So it's just G-L-O-W-M-A-V-E-N at Mama Glow is where you can find out about just more of the like doula stuff and birth work. And um, that's also our website where people can find more information. And if they're interested in like doula training, sponsoring a doula, just learning more of the information, which is so beautiful and robust in terms of resources, they can go there too. Awesome. And your book, Own Your Glow, just came out in paperback, right? Yes. Reading it is the funnest thing you could do for yourself. So definitely recommend everybody go out and get your book. Yay! Huh. Wow, what a beautiful, empowering, just incredible listen. I am absolutely obsessed with everything that comes out of Lathan's mouth. 
And one thing she said that is really, really resonating and keeps coming back to me at the moment is we think we pursue goals, but actually they pursue us. How powerful is that? Mm. And if it doesn't make sense to you right now, it's something we're going to keep exploring because this is the new way of doing things. And Latham totally gets that. Mm, Totally. And I love all of her sentiments around process over product. I think that I definitely find myself looking to the next thing, to the next thing, to the next thing, and not actually focusing on what I'm doing right now. And it's like, there is no other day than today. So why am I looking to two weeks from right now? It just makes no sense. Oh, agreed. I am so, so guilty of that all the time. So if you did enjoy this episode, we would love to ask you to help us to get the word out. You can do that really easily. Just click the share button and send the episode to a friend. Leave us a review or five stars, pretty please. And do make sure that you head on over and connect with us on socials. We are at how to live the podcast on Instagram and how to live the podcast on Facebook. Next week on the podcast, it's going to be the two of us. And we have an interesting chat. We've called this one feminist reflections. And basically, Steffi and I love to talk about this sort of stuff 24 seven with each other, but we just essentially put microphones in the room of a very normal conversation between the two of us talking about different things that we experience as females. Take a listen. I felt like when I wasn't wearing makeup to work, I was unprofessional and I looked tired and I looked like I wasn't making any effort. And For a while, it was a feeling that I had, but then I also felt like people around me were perpetuating that idea. And then it wasn't until I really stepped back and analyzed that and started to look at Elliot going out the door to work and he looked just as disheveled as I did, but no one was going to say anything to him and no one was going to think anything about it. Oh, that is a real juicy conversation right here on the podcast. And in the meantime, we hope you have a beautiful week and can't wait to keep connecting with you in all the places. See you later. Bye. Na 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 na